Tell me again how TikTok works. You know what? I'm just saying, like, you... No, I, no, no. Tell me. Tell me. Well, my... Come on, Boomer. My boyfriend, Nick, who is 21, who has over 400,000 followers on TikTok, was like, you got to go with the trends. You got to look and see what's trending. Date a child, everyone. That's how you <laughs> pop up on TikTok. <laughs> Hello, down bitches. I mean, you really... You have convinced yeah. yourself... Mm-hmm. That you are better than me. Yeah. You are not better than me. <laughs> Welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Joey Taranto and I recap our favorite ID show, Disappeared, and um, and then we tell you about it. We want you to do two things if you're here. We want you to come see us live. We are going on tour. We are starting right here in our own backyard on August 29th. The time is ticking. It is ticking. And then we're headed right over to... Boss? Yeah, boss, look at you. <laughs> he looked at me with such a help me. Boston, help no. me. On September 11th, we'll be in Boston. September 11th, we're in Orlando, my love. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're Boston the 7th, then the 11th, and then we go to Dallas. Yeah, and don't forget, no DBs will be left behind. So all of our solo DBs who come to our live show, we're going to hug the shit out of we're you. We're going to hug the shit out of you. We cannot wait to see you. And please <laughs> join us on the Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus content. And if you don't like listening to our ads, you can have ad-free Joey and I straight in your ears. And you can get up to date on such shows as Snapped, See No Evil, Evil Lives Here, Pink Collar Crimes. And we are right in the middle of, tell them what show we're in the middle of. We are doing I Almost Got Away With oh, It. It's so Much, good. much emphasis on almost. Oh. It is theater. It really is so Three good. Three act plays. Yeah. And um, by the time you've heard this you and you are in the Patreon, we would have had our Zoom hangout session, which we are going to do. And we always offer you a bonus thing in the month. Where <laughs> You know what you just said? What? Our Zoom session, which we are going to do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, Yellen Marsh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know why people give me I microphones. <laughs> but is a thing we are going to do. We always offer you a bonus thing in the month. You know what? Let's just start the episode. We love you. Bye. Is this thing on? <laughs> Season 8, Episode 13, Long Way Home, tells the story of the disappearance of Deanne Hastings. A young mother makes a late night run to the grocery store and never comes home. The note said, ran to the store, had a great day, see you soon. Her loved ones search for clues, and what they find is alarming. She was obviously not in her right mind, and she kept calling the salon lady mommy. And I just knew there was something wrong. Some take matters into their own hands. I was going to go in his house whether he was going to allow me to or not. He didn't really have a choice. And a disturbing revelation sends the investigation in a new direction. There was text messages. She believed that she was drugged. In case anything happens, was what she said. Each discovery only raises more questions. She saw so many people that have come forward and said, oh, we saw her here, saw her here. Then from there, where'd she go? And more agony for a family in need of answers. She's always been a mom to me, and we just really want her back. Here we are in Spokane, Washington, a city that Christopher describes as a medium-sized city known for its scrappy attitude. Who's 
ever heard of a town with a scrappy attitude? Is there a sign that says, welcome to Spokane, where we will fight you and your one-eyed mama? Good luck. Like, what a way. Christopher does a lot of unfortunate things to and for us in this episode. He also said that we started November 3rd, 2015, and Christopher said it was a windy <laughs> evening in Spokane. Now, I have never had cause to question Christopher. I really haven't. Yeah. But I just thought for funsies, I would double check. And I did. I double checked what yeah. the weather was that night. And the wind was 2.4 miles per hour. And then I realized, I don't know what that means. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. So I had to Google what constitutes windy. And windy is 21 to 25 miles per hour. So I'm saying two things. Number one, welcome to the three ring circus that is my brain. Uh-huh. And B, Christopher lies. Honey, I've been in that three ring circus for years. I can't find my way out of this tent. Yeah. All I know is I get in and out of the clown car every day. I'm just saying, boom, <laughs> you're a liar. What? Receipts. Christopher, this you? That's so all it's I'm not, saying. It wasn't a windy night? No, it wasn't a windy night. Like, he was just, like, going through his, like, Rolodex of adjectives. Was it balmy? Was it? He was making shit up. I don't know. Do well, not trust Christopher. <laughs> well, we'll be back on the reboot of Disappeared thanks yay! to our Dalmages. You guys are the best. In case you didn't hear, Christopher will be reprising his role as the narrator on the reboot of Disappeared. Yeah, which is the show that we should be recapping right now. So, here we go. 35-year-old Deanne Hastings is having a relaxing night in. Her teenage son Hayden's girlfriend has stopped by for some relationship advice. Me and Hayden were actually going through a big fight at that time and we were taking a break and I really needed someone to talk to it about. She seemed actually very heartbroken about it. She saw me as a daughter and she told me not to worry that Hayden would come to his senses and come back because I was an amazing person and that she'd always be there even if he didn't. Like, she, I would always have her as a mom. We hear about 35-year-old Deanne Hastings. She has a teenage son named Hayden and Hayden's girlfriend has stopped by for the evening for some relationship advice. Well, it actually said Melanie and Melanie is here, but her yeah. lower third says daughter-in-law. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess everything worked out. I wrote down the same thing. I mean, <laughs> look at you. But yeah, I thought that was really sweet. So we learned that Deanne had just finished her first day at cosmetology school. Go off down, bitch, Deanne. And it went really, really well. And so that's when we meet Deanne's mom, Patricia. And she says, let me tell you something about my daughter. My daughter was brilliant Mm -hmm. and fearless. And then also we meet Deanne's brother, Carson, who also is like, she was amazing. And we were really close growing up. Yeah. He said they had a great childhood, which... (laughs) Good for you. What's that like? Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Hi, Mom. She listens to this podcast. Oh, God. They moved from Nevada to Spokane. And when Deanne was 15, her parents got divorced. And around that same time, her brother Carson went to the Navy. In the Navy. You know, this is a real question. Do they have Fleet Week in, like, other states? Like, is it, like, Atlanta Fleet Week? L.A. Fleet Week? I don't think so. Like, do other people know what Fleet Week is? I don't. Well, Atlanta's not a port city, so I don't think so. Oh, she's geographical. (laughs) How cute are you? Tell me more about semen. Well. (laughs) When Deanne was 17 years old, she showed up during her mom's lunch break with some big news. One day she said, well, you know what I'm here for today? And I said, yeah, to have lunch. (laughs) She said, no, you know. And I had no idea. And, And she told me, she danced around it and then finally told me that she was pregnant. Her son, Hayden, was born in July of 1998, and Deanne and her high school boyfriend worked tirelessly to be good parents. It turns 
out that Hayden's dad was a really good guy. Yeah. And Deanne moved in with him and they kind of like tried their very fucking best. Yeah, they did. And they were young. So they were on and off for a few years. And then around this time, they ended up calling it quits. And it really did hit Deanne really hard. She ended up moving back in with her mom. Now, also, this is around the time that Deanne started having episodes. Right. She would become verbally aggressive, sometimes physically aggressive. And both Mama Patricia and Brother Carson said we didn't recognize her when she was like that. Yeah. And she would disappear for a couple days. And then I kind of understood this when Brother Carson was explaining. She would act out. She would feel shame for her behavior. And then she would hide. And she would be sad and confused. And then she would, you know, sort of like come back, you know, into the fray. And, you know, she would be drained and tired. So this is when we learned that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah. The reason she would leave is because she was embarrassed and she didn't want her family or her loved ones to see her that way. Yeah. So it created a habit early on. Yeah. And listen, I'm not a doctor of anything. I turn to Google if I have an itchy throat. Mm-hmm. But just for the information, there are several types of bipolar, you know, related disorders. You know, it's a spectrum, right? And it can include depression and uh, hypomania and unpredictable mood changes. But just something to keep in mind for later, it can also cause psychosis. Absolutely. So that's just, that is one of the several, there are so many things that can fall under that umbrella of bipolar, but just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And bipolar disorder, just like any other mental health issue, first of all, let's destigmatize it because it's very common. Also, it takes time. You have to get to a good place where you are working with a therapist that you feel comfortable talking to, that you uh, can trust. And also that you can find the right dosage that will help you know, just even you out a little bit. And Deanne struggled with that. Yeah. Luckily, Hayden's dad, like I said, was a super down bitch. I'm a real bitch. Uh, that's right. And he, they, together, they made the difficult decision to have Hayden stay with his dad. So Deanne moved to Texas to be closer to her brother, Carson. She kind of wanted a fresh start, new beginning, and she met a man there. Yeah, she was doing really well. So she had recently finished a program to become a nurse's assistant. And so she was working. She met this man. They thrived in Texas so much that they fell in love, got married, had two kids, a boy and a girl. And things were going really well. But then, sadly, Deanne began to have episodes again. And after nine years of marriage, they got divorced. Yeah, nine years. That's a good go. Hey, that is a good go. In my book, that's a good go. What do you, how many years do you want? I mean, that is a long time. I mean, my ex and I were together for 10 years. Yeah. My ex-husband and I broke up and got back together so many times. I don't know what years to count. Oh, got you. You know, I was in one of those. Yeah, we like broke up for a year, you know, got back together. Then I never wanted to get married. Anyway, for another podcast. <laughs> She and Brandy divorced nine years later. So Brandy had discussed with my mother, because he's deployable, and he you know, he's in the United States military, that we needed somebody to be there when he was not. And so the, the children and Deanne moved up with my mother. And while living with her mom, the episodes intensified. So here's something that was causing Deanne a bunch of stress. 
Her partner, Randy, Brandy, father of her two kids, worked in the military. And she was constantly, I don't know if paranoid is the word, but she was nervous that he was going to get deployed. And of course, everything is cyclical. That was, you know, causing her anxiety and stress, which then aided in her depression. So Deanne moved back home with her two kids, back to Mama Patricia's. And unfortunately, things didn't really get better. Yeah. And the thing is, is that Randy, Brandy, also from his perspective, he was like, I could be deployed anytime. He's like, I don't feel comfortable leaving the two kids alone with you. Yeah. So they move back and her episodes got worse. And eventually she decided to check into a program in Idaho for a while to get the help that she needed. Honestly, Yes, love that. Love that for you. Yeah. So it's November 2015. Her first son, Hayden, is living with his dad. He's now a teenager. The two kids are living with Mama Patricia. And after all of this time, you know, time spent on herself, you know, doing the work, trying to balance her medication, she does start feeling better. And she was ready for a job and her kids back. So she moved back to Spokane and that's where she met Mike Tibbetts on the Book of Faces. Yes. I actually have never heard of people hooking up on Facebook. This is like the second time. People do. Is that like a thing? I think so. Well, I know people who've met on Instagram. Well, I... Yeah, what was it? What do you want to tell the people? Well, I mean, but well, it, Instagram well, is different than Facebook. Okay, tell them how. Well, because you can't just peruse random people's Facebook profiles. Yes, you can. But most people, you have to add them, right, to look at their. I guess I don't fuck with Facebook that much, unless I go in our discussion group. I'm on that a lot. Yeah, but like, I'm, yeah. I'm not perusing do you, Facebook. Have you ever met anyone on Instagram? That's how I met my boyfriend. Oh, I have no idea. I didn't even well, know. Well, it's not how we met. I didn't even know that. We I were messaging. We were messaging, I, uh, and then a mutual, mutual friend, friend said to us, "We, we should unfriend Ellen Marsh." Marsh. <laughs> So Mike Tibbetts and Deanne fall hard. Mike Tibbetts is here. It was while living in Spokane through common friends on Facebook that Deanne met and fell for Mike Tibbetts. Within a couple days of meeting her, I knew she was the one. She started reaching out to me and telling me she's doing fantastic, um, uh, that life is going good, that she's in love, that they're going to get married. She got engaged, and she told me she was happy. He said that I knew within a few days that she was the one. Yeah. And I was like, interesting. For me... I can usually tell in five minutes how someone is going to irritate the shit out of me. (laughs) Potato, potato. No, (laughs) No, that is very true. We're going back to November 3rd. This day, remember the day she chatted with Melanie, her first day of cosmetology school, and she loved it. So that night she hung out with future daughter-in-law Melanie till about 9.30. They said their goodbyes. Melanie went home, texted when she was home, which you always make me do. Text when you get home. And then if I don't text, he's like, you home? (laughs) Just really aggressive. I can hear the tone in the text. Listen, I'm trying to look out for you. Yeah. And then around 10 p.m., only a half hour after Melanie left, fiance Mike gets home from work and finds a note that says, had a great day, just got done doing my nails or having nail night or whatever it was, and I'm going to run to the grocery store. 
So then 11.30 p.m. hits, and Deanne's still not home. Yeah. So Mike is worried. Yep. And full disclosure, I watched this episode. So it, it's hard to just, you know, blankly yes. recap without some kind of, like, judgment, right? We have feelings. We have feelings. So when I watched this episode, spoiler alert, there were moments where I was like, huh, that's weird. And I just kept taking notes. Huh, that's weird. And I just kept taking notes. And then I added all the huh, that's weirds together. And I realized there is a lot of very curious behavior. Uh-huh. But we're just reporting the story. It's like we say in the South, something is awry. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. I never all understand right. your well, Southern that's okay. Uh Well, that's okay. <laughs> so it's 1130 and Mike is worried. Okay, so now he's been home for an hour. Now, three hours pass after that. No word. So he tracks her phone, which actually I didn't think was weird. A lot of people do that. Share do you like a share your location or a life three sixty? Yeah, which is I well, I refuse to do. It with well, anybody. it's getting increasingly harder for people to lie when you got shit like that. I yeah. mean, you just beep pop boop pop phone track. I'm not giving anybody my location. I don't want you to know where I'm at. Honey, you just had kittens because I asked to look at your phone for five seconds. I know you've got some shit. <laughs> I don't know where your skeletons are, but I have no interest in finding them. Thank you very much. You're like a hunger games of gay misbehavior over there. I, listen, when you grew up in the family I grew up with where everybody was in your business and everyone knew your everything, I'm sorry it has turned me into a private person that way. Yeah. You don't need to know that I'm at the 7-Eleven yet again shoveling a Coke slushie down my throat for the fourth time today. Okay? <laughs> Three more hours pass and still no word from Deanne. So I tracked her phone. It was about... 2.33 in the morning. Mike tracks Deanne's phone to a parking lot across from a concert venue in a seedy area of town. I called the phone. She always had her phone with her. As soon as it rings, he realizes something alarming. Her cell, along with her purse, is locked inside the car, and Deanne is nowhere in sight. And so he calls her phone and realizes quickly, oh shit, her phone is in her car, right. along with her purse, locked inside the car. So he says- But you I, know what isn't around? What? Deanne. Yeah, exactly. So he's yeah. like, I'm going to wait here. Yeah. She'll come back, right? So he waits by the car all night, according to him. No Deanne. Okay, but, 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 but you just blah, blah, blah over the most interesting part. What? All night? Yeah, well, he's- uh, yeah. He's okay, si well, we're going to go back to that later. All night. Well, that's what he says. I'm just saying what the man said, okay? Okay, I have many, many thoughts. But he waits till the next morning, he says, to call her school, where she was, you know, studying cosmetology, mm -hmm. to see, did she show up? And the guy who owns it was like, she's not here, but I'll help you make flyers and we can- pass him around town and he was like right oh, okay i'll take you up on that so yeah they go around town they post flyers everywhere stores gas stations also i love this cosmetology school i feel like they're like a satellite location for dbu <laughs> because they were like what she's gone we'll make flyers i mean after one day of school yeah after one day yeah uh, wherever that cosmetology school is you are honorary db yeah he's like we got this new color printer let's put it to work yeah, exactly so now around noon that day mike gets an alert that deanne's credit card has been used at a grocery store four miles away so follow this if you care to yeah. venture it's 12 30 he gets an alert on his credit card that it had been used a couple miles away now i guess 
their credit cards are connected? Yeah. Or- okay, mental note, mental note. So Mike stayed with the car and waited for her. All right, so now, you know, this is where Christopher says... It's a decision he would later regret. And I get it, the sliding doors of it all, right? So he says, I should have gone to the store... Because she never came back to the car. He was thinking she'll make this purchase and she's going to come back to her car for her purse and her keys. Even if you are a more sane person than you or I, you mean to tell me, it was only a couple miles away, you mean to tell me, he's like, nah, you know what, she's totally fine, this is normal behavior, I'm not worried about her at all, she's going to come right back here. That was his train of thought? Well, yeah, I mean, even if somebody does have a history of disappearing and you know that they have mental health issues that they battle, Mm -hmm. I would be like, I want to safeguard you from getting into any trouble. Yeah, I would drive the four miles, which is not that far, and scoop you up. Yeah. That's what I would do. I'm just saying, these are the little, huh, that's weird moments that I sort of, you know, brushed aside when I first watched it. I'm just trying to point them out to all of you. A few hours later, Mike drives to the store to see if he can dig up any information. As I walked up to the store, there was one of the employees standing outside, and I gave him the flyer, and he said he recognized her, but it was probably somebody else. When Mike heads inside, he spots something that could possibly provide some much-needed answers. That's when I saw that they had cameras there, so I asked the lady if I was able to see it. She said I had to wait and speak with the manager there. So I called the next day, and he said I could come in that Saturday and look through it. And so then fiancé Mike was like, hey, can I see the cameras? And this guy was like, actually, you have to talk to the managers. And so the manager says, yeah, of course you can see the cameras. Not a problem. Can you come back Saturday? Two days after. Saturday? Yeah, it's Thursday. You don't have to be a crime buff to know that every fucking minute counts. Absolutely. And was he like, oops, sorry I bothered y'all. Yep. I have no urgency. Saturday, you say? That sounds reasonable. Yeah, Thank no, you if for your time. Absolutely. If it's someone I love, you can be like, oh, I can come back to Saturday. I could also shove my foot up your ass. Bring me into that office yeah. and show me the footage. Yeah, it is very weird. Was so, there no, I just want to know, was there a back and forth? Was there a pleading? If someone looked at you, no matter who you were, and said, please, my wife is missing. He, she was here. Oh, absolutely. You're, come I'm, back Saturday. Yeah, come back Saturday. So we should mention that Deanne did have a history of disappearing, But this was different because she never left her phone or purse or Mm -hmm. car behind. And she also would respond to texts. She would let people that she was closest to know that she was leaving. Yeah. So all this feels off. Fiance Mike decides finally to call the police Thursday. She had seen Melanie 930 on the 3rd. So that's like almost two days. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. We're waiting almost two days to call the police and to file a, a police report. Okay. So they filed it. Now, a lot of times on these documentaries, we have people saying, well, that kind of stuff doesn't happen around here. I get so sick of hearing that shit. Well, Jeff Barrington of the Spokane Police says, In Spokane, you would be surprised about the number of missing person cases that we do have. So Everybody's missing in Spokane. <laughs> like, if you want to survive Spokane, you got to nail your fins to the floor because we can't keep up with it. <laughs> what is happening in Spokane? He's like, I can't. There's just so many missing people. Who's in Spokane that's going missing so much? Honey, they weren't lying when Christopher said this is the scrappy attitude town. I guess uh, so. Everybody's scrapping. Well, the thing is, too, is that this infuriates me. Is they're like, usually missing people turn up. 
So missing persons cases are low on our priority list. And I'm like, I ain't trying to hear yeah, that. Yeah. This is literally your job. Yeah. If someone goes missing and they've been l- missing longer than 24 hours, it is your job to take it very seriously. And I'm going to tell you now, these people, they cool their heels before they do much. Yeah. So I get another tickle in my tummy because Mike, fiance Mike, doesn't tell the family that Deanne has been missing for almost two days, but he does tell the news. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And we see actual footage of the local news talking about Deanne missing. Yeah. So this is where Mike is really erring on the side of audacity. And he's like, I mean, I I just didn't want to worry anyone. And so... Brother Carson finds out about this in a really sweet way. He hears from a friend in Spokane who's like, hey, what's going on with your sister? And Carson's like, I don't know. She's, you know, chilling in Spokane, started cosmetology school. And he goes, nah, nah, check the news. Your sis is missing. Apparently, Mike doesn't know how the news works. It's not very well thought out. It's like the time that I found out my grandfather died because my second cousin posted our IP grandpa. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what the shit? Could you wait? Yeah. Even five hours. So poor Carson is like, what the actual entire fuck calls Mama Patricia and was like, Mom, I love you. I hope you're sitting down. I just heard from my friend who heard on the news that Deanne is fucking missing. That must have felt like a punch in the gut. Now, Brother Carson is thinking... Okay, she's having an episode. Mm -hmm. She'll probably be back. And Mama Patricia was like, when I got this news, I knew something was wrong. I just knew it. Yeah, she just felt that in her gut. And she was like, again, she was like, she doesn't have her phone. She didn't tell anyone. I love you, Carson. This is not like the other times. Yeah, because she always told people what her plan was. And this time she called no one, left her phone behind. Things were very off. So now it's Saturday Four days after fiance Mike last saw Deanne and he goes to the grocery store to review that footage. Yeah. Well, you know, when he had time. Yeah. You know, he, uh, you know, he he checked his mail because uh, uh, he's got a P.O. box, uh-huh. you know, down the street. Sure. Um, so picked he up that dry there. cleaning. He picked up the dry cleaning. He priced some weed whackers at Lowe's, but oh. he actually didn't purchase because he was going to wait for the President's Day sale. Gotcha. Uh, and then he moseyed <laughs> to the supermarket. And then he was like, hey, is, that, is the manager here? I'm just, I'm scooting in on a Saturday. Come back to see that security footage. He spots his fiancée immediately, but what he sees is alarming. She was just really disoriented. She kept turning around, looking over her shoulder, and she bought a couple weird things, a couple little boxes of birthday candles, and she bought a pint of vodka. But friends and family soon learn what wasn't captured on the security tapes that day. Several witnesses say they spotted her acting strangely in the parking lot, and at the neighboring businesses. Now, witnesses say they had seen the sweet baby roaming around the parking lot, clearly disoriented. Mm -hmm. And then she walked into a salon. This really got me. Yeah, She walked into a salon that was connected to the grocery store where she was calling one of the women their mommy. Mm -hmm. She was clearly not doing well. She was not okay. And also, it should be said, when she was in the grocery store, she was like fidgety. You know, she wasn't calm. She was looking over her shoulder. She was clearly disoriented. Now, Christopher says that two good Samaritans help her. Christopher, you know damn well those are not good Samaritans. You know damn well those are down bitches. Uh, that's right. 
Yeah. I would like you to change the copy. <laughs> he's doing that. Honestly, he's doing that. To, he's trying to piss me off. Are you breaking up with Christopher? I mean, I'm not. I just feel like he, I feel like he's like goading me. You know, he's just trying to like piss me off. He's prodding. Well, prod, prod. <laughs> Watch this. Watch me get this. I can't even do a Christmas. Yo, this is therapized, Ellen. Imagine her not. Uh, so that's the other. So yes, uh, these two women didn't know who she was. They were trying to help her. They offered to give her a ride home, but she was adamant about not going home. Mm-hmm. And they ended up calling nine one one. Yeah. So at twelve twenty three, Officer Davida Zinkraff was called to the scene just for a general where, just for a Jennifer, Jennifer, just for a Jennifer. <laughs> just for a general will yeah you see this is proof this is it's the lord proof? this is proof i it's said proof? proof now i said proof this is the lord looking down on you saying you need to be nicer because you're not better than him uh then the lord this is the lord okay go ahead and log off all right <laughs> so they come to give a general welfare check for deanne i got a call said that it was a white female in her 20s uh possibly under the influence of a drug or or alcohol. And she was saying that she didn't know what happened, that she may have been beat up. By the time I got here, medics were on scene, and she was not wanting to talk with them. Made several attempts to try and engage her in, in some conversation, and she just didn't want to engage with me, and she started to walk away towards the grocery store. When she was trying to engage with Deanne, Deanne was like, just walked away Mm -hmm. and ended up walking into the grocery store. And Officer Davida says, you know, like I hung around for about a half hour. I observed her. And when she finally left the grocery store, I watched her walk to a coffee shop. I like I drove by her slowly. And then I was like, I left. You can't take someone into custody because they seem to be a danger to themselves, which the emotional mama bear side of me just is like, why? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, but, no, I but, get it. But you can't. We have laws in this country. Yeah. No, I get it. I just, I, it would be the kind of thing where I'd be like, come home with me. Yeah. You come home with me. And but she didn't want to because those down bitches stayed with her for like over an hour. Yeah. And I also want to say, this is why it's so important to have social workers on hand who can respond to a call that's like, hey, there's somebody out here yeah. who seems distressed or having some sort of mental health issue because those people are equipped with the tools that are needed yep. to handle that situation and we are seeing that start to happen slowly but surely in this country but it's so important because listen that's the other thing people in that position they see an officer coming at them and they panic sure so brother carson was pretty pissed he was like you know he felt like people didn't do enough to help his sister but i see both sides so mike gets a call and it was someone who said that they saw her missing persons poster and they knew a little bit more about deanne so that sunday morning Mike goes with his sister to go meet this guy who he calls not impressive. Yeah, I didn't get that. I was like, I feel like he was like weighing in on his looks. Like he wasn't like a good looking guy or something. It was a very weird comment, but also a little telling to me. Yeah, it was. Like, are you literally saying I could take this guy? It was very, very weird. It was just an odd statement, but But it's literally what he said. It was toxic. So... It turns out that the night that Deanne disappeared, this man said, I met her in front of this bar called the Knitting Factory. I gave her a cigarette and then we went out drinking and smoking pot and having fun and she stayed at my house. Yeah, and he was like, I don't believe 
all of this. And then he was like, did you hook up with my wife? And he said, no, it was nothing like that. She, I have a girlfriend. I, and listen, I would be like, okay. But also he was like, I don't believe you. I mean, I don't believe him either. Yeah. But he was like, this is what happened. The next morning we went to the grocery store that I work at. I went to go get some cigarettes. I came back. She was gone. And I circled the parking lot a couple times because it was that same grocery store that she went to go get the booze yeah. in. And he was like, and then I didn't see her. And Mike still doesn't believe the story. And he's like, oh, wait, one sec. Here are these things. And he's like, these are Deanne's keys. Yeah. She left her car keys behind in this guy's car. Yeah. So then we learned that Mike was like, oh, cool. Now I have her car back. And I was like, if you saw the look on my face right now, it is like equal parts confusion and disgust because I'm like, wait, the car is still in the parking lot? You didn't have AAA, bro? Yeah. You didn't call a locksmith? You didn't ask the police to process that car? Yeah. It's still chilling in the parking lot? That is substantial information. Absolutely. And the opposite of what either of us would yeah. do. So now Mike is having feelings. He says, I felt very weird. So he does the normal thing, which is shows up that night with a few friends because he doesn't believe that Deanne isn't there. Uh, and he shows up at that guy's apartment and he's like, she's here. And he's like, she's not here, but you know what? I'm going to do you a solid. Come into my apartment. You can check it all out. And Monday morning, Four days after Mike filed the missing persons report, the police begin their investigation. The case is assigned to Detective Jeff Barrington. I obtained cell phone records to include uh, call detail records, to include uh, incoming, outgoing calls, text messages, and there was no suspicious activity. Her last outgoing text was to her son Hayden around 10 p.m., letting him know that she went to school that day and hoped he was proud of her. Turns out her last text was to her son Hayden at 10 p.m., just saying she had a great day. You know, she was really getting her life on track, and she wanted to make him proud. Yeah, it's uh, that got me when they said that. Now, remember, she went missing on November 3rd, and so Detective Barrington checks out her credit cards, and she had hits on her credit cards from November 7th to November 12th. They were in convenience stores, grocery stores, pharmacies, all over Spokane. Big can. Yucky. And so we get the surveillance of the stores, and it's not Deanne. And the photos are released everywhere. And within an hour, someone's like, that guy's name is Randy Riley. He has a record. He's not a great dude. Yeah. And so they dig into Randy's past. He has some criminal activity, minor. You know what? I did some side research. He oh. did not just have minor activity. They did say that on the episode. He had two domestic violence charges. Oh. I don't know why they said that. That's all public information. That is very interesting. Yep. The things that get played down, that's so weird. Yeah. But he also, ID, I'm available for a research job. <laughs> but he was also evicted from his last home. So cops were like, okay, it's not going to be easy to find him. So it's November 25th. They get another tip. Randy Riley's landlord calls and was like, hey, three weeks ago on Wednesday the 4th, I was like, babe, I appreciate you calling. Where have you been for three weeks? She just happened to see a flyer. What are you doing? She just saw the flyer. She was like, I saw a man and a woman walking and I know because I saw that flyer and it was Deanne. And so now they're able to, through this witness and through surveillance, they can kind of sew together a timeline. Yeah, and it turns out there was another person with them. So so this is what happened when she left the grocery store. 
Deanne wandered over to a storage facility. It was just two blocks from the grocery and met up with two guys. We see the actual footage of this. They look like they're laughing and having fun. They go into the storage unit mm-hmm. and then they leave around 1.30 p.m. Yeah. And an hour later, that's when the landlord saw them all. Right. And she said Deanne was like laying on the ground. Again, she was not okay. Yeah, either intoxicated or disoriented or both. Right. And another neighbor stopped and was like, are you okay? Okay. And she says to this neighbor, I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a divorce. Divorce? What? For another time. And so they were like, what is going on? And of course, that woman, I mean, you can only ask someone if they're okay so many times. Yeah. And she apparently was, even though she was either disoriented or intoxicated or both, she was still able to hold a conversation. So the woman felt comfortable leaving. And yeah, it's not a citizen's arrest here. Finally, the Spokane police decide to, you know, start to nail it. And they find out that Randy Riley had been living at his mom's with his girlfriend. So they go straight to his mom's house and his mom, the anti-Brian Laundry mom, was like, I'll help you find him. You looking for my son? Yeah. Yeah. He's a naughty one, that one. He hangs out at this restaurant. Why don't you go check there? And they sure did. And sure as shit, that motherfucker was there. He admitted that was him on the surveillance photos. And he admitted to using her card. Riley says he had a legitimate reason for having Deanne's cards. He said that he and his friend James met Deanne that day. And they had hung out, in in his words, that uh, afternoon. And Randy Riley said that Deanne gave him her credit cards. His statement was that Deanne told him, here, take my cards and go get yourself something to eat. He was like, yeah, me and my friend James met her. We drank. She was drunk. She gave me her credit card and was like, hey, you guys look hungry. Go get some food. Mm -hmm. Really? You know, I speak several languages. Yes. But I, I am a, an official translator of bullshit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Fluent. I was like, yeah. I was like, really? He, she handed you her credit card and was like, go get some food over the next five days. Yeah, exactly. Between the 7th and the 12th, I want you to have a go. Have a gas. Yeah, enjoy it on me. Also, when, I love that when they were like, and he admitted to using her credit cards. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. We have him on security <laughs> footage. Uh, that was me. Yeah. Also, this picture of you is you. <laughs> yes, that was me. Okay, wow. so we're clear. Of- what a stand-up guy. Yeah, he really, that must have, he's so brave. So now we land on December 10th. Riley is arrested for second-degree identity theft, and he gets interrogated. And now he's singing a different tune. Sure is. And we see the interrogation video, my favorite thing. How did you get the credit cards and her identification cards? Out of the jacket that was left on the side of the road. He said that the next day they were driving to their storage unit. They saw her coat on the side of the road and went and got the coat and then found the wallet inside. Riley pleads guilty to second-degree theft and second-degree possession of stolen property charges, but denies any involvement in Deanne's disappearance. She did not give me that card. Actually, I found her jacket on the side of the road. I found her wallet inside of it, and then I used the cards at the Piggly Wiggly. I'm so sorry I remembered that wrong. Y'all, if you're going to tell a lie... Commit to the lie. Don't change the lie later, especially when you're dealing with police. Write down your lie. Yeah. (laughs) Recite it every day in the morning like a mantra. But if you change your story, baby, you are in deep shit. So now remember that other dude that was spotted with Deanne? His name is James. 
And Detective Barrington also interviews him. So James was like, okay, let me tell you what really happened. James was like, we were walking. Deanne went up to the bushes to go potty. You know how girls, they like their privacy. (laughs) And then I went to go to the bathroom. And then Randy went up there to go to the bathroom. He was up there for like 10 minutes. And then he came out of the woods. And Deanne never did. And he said, like, I only met her at the storage unit. I have no idea how Riley got her credit card. Right. And now we go back to the interrogation video and this man who can only be described as the inside of a vacuum bag is like crying about how he's like I left her there we should have gone back to make sure she was okay like yeah did you consider being an actual human being instead of gum on the bottom of someone's fucking shoe well if some yeah if somebody who is clearly not well is saying here take my card and go have lunch on me babe how am I gonna get it back to you that person is clearly not doing well and he's just giving me this three act play and he's putting up the water go get Ben like kick rocks. Right. So now Detective Barrington is able to pinpoint the spot that both James and Riley left Deanne. And here's the thing, which is so tragic yeah. and it's really sad and very upsetting. She was only 300 yards from home. Yeah. That close to home. So that's where they kind of narrow the search. They do a ground search with, you know, people and pups and helicopters. And they didn't find anything of hers there. Now they start to look into Mike because, of course, they did. Yeah. Officer Barrington said he asked for this. Y'all, sit down. Yeah. Like, honestly. This is where you're going to start to get mad. Yeah. Like, grab a cup of tea or an iced tea, or I don't, whatever you do, because here's the tea. Uh, Wow, that really went in a circle. (laughs) So Officer Barrington said he asked for Deanne's cell phone and, you know, that note that she left, and he wouldn't give it to him. I asked for Deanne's cell phone several times. He never provided it. I asked for the note that he claimed that she had left for him uh, that night of November 3rd, prior to him returning home from work, and he never provided me with the note. Mike says the note was the last thing Deanne wrote to him, and the phone had photos and messages he wanted to keep. He didn't trust that if he turned them over, he'd get them back. He was afraid he wouldn't get them back, and he wanted to hold on to them all for sentimental value. I am sentimental too. So I am I. Get it. But you know what? Wouldn't you rather have the real thing back with you? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather have your future wife home with you? Give them the fucking phone. Are you fucking kidding me? He's like, I had pictures in there. Email them to yourself. Text them to yourself. Snapfish? Shutterfly? Post them on Instagram. Yeah. Go to a CVS with a coupon. Go to a CVS and fucking print them out. Are you kidding me? That he would not. I can't. I just, they're so sentimental to me. Now the detective is digging into Mike and D. Deanne's relationship, Mike immediately is like, we never fought. The worst thing we fought about was wheat bread or white bread or some shit like that. Listen, I do not have a great track record for relationships. I know people who have great relationships. Even the best relationships have arguments, fights, disagreements, bickering. If anyone's like, we don't fight. I'm looking for bodies under the fucking stairs. You are instantly a sociopath until proven otherwise if you say you don't fight with your partner. <laughs> oh, not everybody's Italian yelling. Well, here's the thing. I don't fight. I will argue with you or I'll have a discussion. That's but what I ain't I mean. fighting yes, with you. Yes, that is what I mean. I don't mean physical fight. I just mean like fighting to me is like you're screaming at the top of your lungs. Yes. Everyone has issues yeah. is my point. So now Amanda, a friend of Deanne, says... 
because Mike and Deanne were having problems at home. And then she drops the bombshell that Deanne had been trying to leave Mike for weeks. Now, we should also say daughter-in-law, well, future daughter-in-law, Melanie, says... I didn't see the fights, but I knew about them because we had a code. When she would text me, uh, let's do a gel set, that was code for we need to talk. Right. Also, does the fact that they needed to have codes worry you? Uh, It's a red flag. Because if I have an issue, I'll be like, I need to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. Well, remember, remember she said that night, finished doing nails. So he must have known that Melanie was there. Because they must have done nails together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So down bitch Amanda was like, I went to DBU and I majored in down bitch general education and I minored in, oh, you want my receipts? That's right. She showed up because with Because she was like, here are the text messages that Deanne said she wanted out of her marriage and she wasn't totally positive that Mike hadn't been drugging her. Now, drugging her maybe to calm her episodes, to calm her anxiety, whatever that was. Now, I always believe women, but I also have to mentally put some consideration into the fact that she had been experiencing bouts of mental illness. So we've got to take all this information and sort of like, you know, balance it out. But Deanne also told Amanda that she had gone to her doctor and told them that I I think that I might have been drugged. And they called her crazy. Yeah. Now, I I don't like that word. Yeah, I don't either. I don't, and I don't know if a doctor said that or maybe she said it was a joke. We are not saying that. I don't know what doctor would say that. That is really problematic if that actually did. Well, especially knowing her medical history. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So Mike says this isn't accurate. He says weeks leading up to the disappearance, she had become increasingly paranoid. She was hearing voices, thought someone was breaking into the home and drugging the water supply. She even thought an ex-boyfriend was trying to kill her. And she asked Mike if he was conspiring with them. Again, not a doctor. Who knows if this was part of, you know, a manic episode. Could be undiagnosed schizophrenia. Very rare in women. But maybe it was. Anyway, everything is spiraling. And it's really concerning. Just prior to her going missing, the insurance decided they were not going to cover her specific bipolar medication that she needed and that they wanted to give her something else. Because of her insurance problems, uh, she hadn't been on the medication that she was actually prescribed uh, for about a month, six weeks. She fought it. Uh, She even went to her doctor and got a note that says, this is what she has to be on. We've already tried this medication. And the insurance company denied it again. The month before she went missing, her insurance wanted to change the prescribed medicine that she was on to something else. Poor baby was, you know, in a panic. Like, I know that medicine does not work. And so then Mike tells us that, okay, great. I'll just pay for it out of my own pocket. Cash. Yeah. They said, we will drop you. We will drop your insurance if you pay cash for this medication. So the family's like, that contributed a lot. Right. But not in the episode. Deanne was on Medicaid. So because she was low income and had some other factors. So if you do, if they do find out that you're paying cash for medicine, they will pull your insurance because they'll say like, oh, you have $600 for this insurance that's so grossly inflated. You clearly don't need Medicaid. So I actually thought that Mike was lying there and he wasn't, but he left out of the equation that they were on Medicaid, you know, so. 
it's horrifying. Imagine find. I mean, that poor baby finding what yeah. worked for her, and the insurance company is like, nope. I mean, it's so corrupt. So all to say, Deanne at that time was not on her proper medication, yeah. and that is just that must be so so scary. Absolutely. So. A couple months have passed since Deanne's disappearance, and the family is convinced something terrible happened to her. Then in late January 2016, Deanne's best friend Amanda gets a Facebook message from James. James being the dude who was hanging out with Deanne and Riley the day she was last seen. Yeah. And he was asking to speak to a family member. He was like, I I got to talk to them. And Amanda talked to him and she was like, yeah, he seemed very distraught. So Carson calls him back. And Carson is like you and me. Like Carson's a little bit of a pit bull. Oh, yeah. You know, he was like, they, he got in a fight. You know, I, I get that. Like, Yeah, he said I came, I was hot out the gate. Yeah, he was like, what, what do you know? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And James is apparently super, super emotional about it. I was, and you know, James didn't steal the credit card. James was just with them that yeah. day. I think he wants everyone to be very clear. James ordered one of those like sky writing things. He's like, <laughs> I didn't use a credit yeah. card. <laughs> but Carson comes in hot and he's, he's very, you know, apologetic about that. He's like, I was pissed, which is never going to get you anywhere. I mean, like if you come at me, I'm going to come at you 10 times as hot. I will match your yeah, energy. I will match and I will do you one better. So really, he doesn't tell them anything other than I can't believe Deanne didn't make it home. She was headed home. And he wanted to make it very clear that he did not know Randy Riley well. <laughs> He's like, betrayal never comes from your enemies, honey. Yeah. He's like, I did not know him. I think James just really wants to help, but he doesn't really add much to the conversation. No, no, but he does say like, she was going home. Yeah. That's important. So it's February 27th, 2016. It's Deanne's birthday. And they organize a huge ground search. And Mike was like, I mean, I already searched it. I'd be like, I know. And we'll do it again. Yeah. And, you're ki- and then because the news is covering it. Yeah. Keep her name and face out in the public eye. Yeah. And <laughs> he just he really wanted us to know that he did it. Now, we learned from Detective Barrington that Mike wasn't living at home. So he sends the dogs there. He sends the cadaver dogs to Mike's house. Yeah, they were able to search the home that he shared with Deanne. And they said, we didn't find anything, but they were able to get inside and actually give it a thorough search. Yeah. So remember that grocery store employee that Deanne was with that night? Maybe she had sex with them. Maybe she didn't. We don't know. He mysteriously moved to Florida. What are you doing, Florida? Yeah, well, he says, that's where I grew up and I wanted to go back there. Yeah, I like, I found that all very confusing, but everyone, you know, wants to move to Florida. So we're at March. Do they? <laughs> apparently. So we're at March 11th, 2016. And we learned that Randy Riley gets 13 months for that credit card theft. And, you know, Barrington is, he's searching James, Randy Riley. He's searching them on social media, but every lead has kind of gone cold. And basically the family is like, we are heartbroken. Yeah. Her brother is like, listen, even if she removed herself from Washington, if she wanted to start all the way over, if she just wanted to abandon her life, that's okay. I just want to know you're all right. Yeah. And if she's out there, just tell us you're okay and we'll leave you alone. And then Mama Patricia says, I agreed to do this interview that it would bring some attention and some focus to the need for better mental health care in this country. Because I'm the mom 
and I tried everything that I thought that I could try. I did everything. I talked to everybody. I did research like crazy. And there was nothing I could do to contain my daughter, to protect her from herself, to protect her from her illness. This is such an important statement because I'm sure these interviews are somewhat re-traumatizing, but you put your desire to get your child or your family member or your loved one's name, face out there because I I mean, I think the one thing we can all agree on is we need more, more mental health resources. Yes. We need more acceptance of it. It needs to be more part of the conversation. And that's what Mama Patricia says. She's like, you know, as a parent, you just want to do what's best for your child. And ex- and she, they, they accepted she wasn't well. She needed yeah. help. And it just seemed like... It was just a moment in time, you know, her medication had changed and who knows what's going on. But the Special Victims Unit of Spokane Police Department is still leading this investigation. So if you have seen Deanne Hastings or you know about her whereabouts, you are asked to call 509-456-2233. And also, there is confidential 24-7, 365 a day treatment, referral, and information services that are available to you if you are struggling with mental illness. Any individual or family that is facing any kind of substance use or mental disorder is free to call 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. And it is the hardest thing is always asking for help, but it is there. Say something funny. You can't drop a load like that on me and then expect me to come up with something funny. Please don't say drop a load on our very serious true crime podcast. Where is she? Where? Bow, 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 It is really just hard to live, laugh, and love and pretend you don't know what happened at the end. I do not know what happens. I do not want to get sued, but somebody knows something Some and it doesn't know. add up. All right, you down bitches. We want you to come see us live. Go to our website at disappearedpod.com. Click the see us live link and come and see us. I promise you, I'm going to give you my favorite thing, which is a money back guarantee. Right now, I haven't checked with Patricia. I am giving you a money back guarantee <laughs> that you are going to love our show. You're going to meet some of your down bitch besties and you are going to have the time of your life. You can ask for your money back if that doesn't happen. Ellen Marsh is not authorized to offer you your money back. <laughs> and here's the thing. I think we're pretty good at our job. We're pretty good at podcasting. But the stage is our home. So you want to see this. I promise. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. You can find us on Twitter. And, of course, join our Facebook group. That is where we spend the most time, The Disappeared Pod Discussion Group. You can find me on all the things at Ellen Marsh and Joey at It's Joey Taranto. And follow us on TikTok. Our TikTok is killing it right now. We really are. Come check it out. If all else fails, we will see you guys at Obsessed Fest. Yeah, baby. We love you so much. We hope to see you soon. I love you, Yellen Marsh. I love you, Joey. (laughs) We love you, Down Bitches. We love you, DBs. Bye. So here we are on November 3rd, 2015 in Spokane, Washington. (laughs) Was that on purpose? It was not on purpose. Right out of the gate. Come on. (laughs) What if someone's listening to us for the first time?
time. And they're just going to think you're a pencil sharpener. Just Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's a stroke. Okay, <laughs> oh. so I'm sorry. Officer Harrington. Hi, this is Joey. I'm coming in post to let you know that she got this name wrong. It's actually Barrington. Sorry, Yellen. Wait, is it Barrington? It is Barrington. It's Barrington. I said Harrington. Can I just talk to you guys for a second? Just a little secret. <laughs> Joey never listens when I talk. I do listen to you. You are a typical man. I'm okay. just excited. Look See, at you. You did it all by yay. yourself. I always think about when people just stop in and maybe they picked this episode in the middle and they have absolutely no idea what they've walked into. To that I say, welcome. Hi. You've got mail. <laughs> Come on in. The water's fine. 